Hi. Good evening. Today is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is step six, and our speaker tonight is Marla. Thank you, Marla. You're on. Uh, can't hear you yet. Yeah. There we go. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, good. I feel like a cell phone commercial. Can you <laughs> hear me now? Uh, <laughs> hi, everyone. It's really good to be here. Um, snowy day out here in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I'm Marla, and I am a really grateful compulsive eater. So, so thrilled to have an opportunity to share uh, this program with you because this program has saved my life and and my sanity. Um, so I'm thrilled to be here. Um, today, I get to talk about step six and how I understand it today. Before I do that, I just want to spend like maybe one or two minutes just giving you a little bit of my background. So I've always, I'm a compulsive eater. I've never been bulimic or anorexic or over-exerciser. Um, my lowest weight ever as an adult was, was like a teenager, maybe 110. My highest measured weight was about 284 pounds. And before I came into the rooms of OA um, this last time, I was there three times before, and like 10 years apart, I went for a year or so and then left. Um, but this last time I came back in uh, 2012, November, and that was about 11 years ago. Um, and so that time it took, <laughs> I took it. I stopped fighting because I was finally beaten down and bloodied by what the food was doing to me, what the obsession was doing to me. Um, I had already lost, I was probably about that 284, about a year before OA this, this last time. And I had lost over a hundred pounds in a commercial program with my husband. And we were like the stars of their program, Bill Wilson, you know, I had arrived. And what started happening to me though, after about seven months of incredible abstinence and losing all that weight, I fell prey to the first bite again. And the mental twist had me pick up the first bite. And then that led to probably another, I don't know, seven, eight months of onward binging, constant binging, overeating, progressing, and boom, that weight just shot up. And I had been morbidly obese for probably a good 15 years and couldn't do things like body basics in the shower, stuff like that. You know, I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop thinking about food. Um, even if they told me I had cancer, I know I couldn't have stopped. I, it, it was that intense. I was eating outside of my uh, desire, eating against my will. Um, and what it got bad. So finally, when I walked in there in 2012, I was ready to surrender. I was finally beaten down and aware of my powerlessness over my brain, the part of my brain that would cause me to keep picking up no matter how much weight I lost, no matter how long I was abstinent and not using food, there was going to be a day where something would go off again and my brain would get hijacked and just tell me today it's going to be different. And I had no power over that happening. I knew that every time I lost weight, I gained weight again. So jump forward to November, came in the program. Um, I wasn't obese at the time. I had gained like 30 pounds back very quickly, but I was still a, a decent size, normal, healthy-ish body weight. And I will show you just a very quick look at... Uh, Couple, uh, couple before pictures, just so you can see. 
the walking around like a zombie. That's my child. I don't think you could see her body there because I was so big. I, um, but I, I just, life had beaten me down at that point. I could not do half the things I wanted to do. And I couldn't stop doing the things that I didn't want to do. So I had to come to the program again. And I was willing this time to go to any length. And that for me, starting that very first night, looked like I got a sponsor the first evening. And I jumped right into all the stuff she told me to do. I got a food plan. I called my food into her every night. I made four calls a day to my sponsor and then three other people. And I, I just focused on the actions that I was told to take. And I read the various books and the reading assignments and got to meetings. And I did those things not because of joy, not because I wanted to, and they were fun. Okay. <laughs> and I put down the food and I hung on for dear life for however many, you know, to get the food allergy stuff out of me and with get the withdrawal. The first couple of weeks of my absence was a nightmare for me. I was so depressed. I was angry as hell. I was uh, cranky. I was irritable. I was grieving like crazy because this time it felt real. This time I knew, well, you cannot ever safely touch those foods the way the alcoholic knows they can never safely, no matter how much time passes, touch my particular allergic foods. And this time it, it, it sunk in. So I jumped into the step work and I did the best I could with it at the time. Um, I did not do it all right. In fact, I look back today and I think to myself, I really didn't have that good a sponsor. I don't think in the beginning. Um, today, I'm a very big, uh, big book person. Um, my sponsor hardly ever had me in the big book. Uh, so I learned to do big book uh, stuff a couple years into my recovery. But I did find relief and I did find the promises came true for me. And I was no longer a prisoner of food. I was not a slave to food. I was able to take off the weight that I had gained back. And today I can tell you I'm living happily and contentedly in a state of abstinence where I am neutral with food. It does not, I don't obsess about it anymore. I don't fight food today. I can be around any of it. I can sit in a whole staff lounge a couple of weeks ago with all the cookies there they had and everyone left and it was just me and about 25 dozen cookies of different in the, and and not once did I have to be afraid like oh don't look no the the promises have come true as a result of getting a spiritual awakening that happened from working those steps okay but it had to start with willingness so just to go through before we get to step six and so I want to read step six and you guys, I have taken, God and I were praying, I prayed before this, God helped me write, like just tons and tons of notes. That's what I do when I'm thinking, but I don't like put together a speech. I just go, okay, God, give me thoughts, you know? And when I come here or I speak anywhere, I just, I pray basically before I help it make sense to somebody. I don't know which one of you, if any, uh, I'm supposed to reach today by sharing my story and my experience, maybe more than one, I don't know. What I do know is that I have learned over the years that, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm sorry. I'm I'm happily abstinent and neutral, also maintaining over 120 pound loss now. I used to be 284. I've been living in a body that's now about 128 to 130 pounds for 11 years in a row. Thank you, God. That's a miracle too, okay? Um, and that's not a fight. I said same size clothes for, for 11 years now. It's amazing gifts. But more than that, 
This program and coming to a relationship with God, finding a conscious contact with God. How did I come here and believe that God was going to do this for me? No, I did not come here looking for a spiritual awakening. I didn't come here looking for anything about God. I wanted to get skinny and wear cute clothes. That's what I wanted and to stop. Still be able to eat and get skinny and wear cute clothes. But what I learned here over these past 11 years is that I had to quit doing it my way. I absolutely didn't realize that the unmanageability of my life was not caused by the food. <laughs> the unmanageability of my life was not caused by weight. It was caused by me. It was caused in here by my thinking. Thoughts that were inaccurate, perceptions that were not real reality. The way I saw life through my view at that time in all those years was extremely skewed. It wasn't the truth. It wasn't real. And I couldn't tell the difference because I thought everything I saw and experienced and felt and did, I thought it was all based on truth because that was my truth, right? You know, if you put on glasses that have a lot of black permanent marker spots on, you keep those on, you're going to think that everyone you see is freckled, right? Like everything I saw could only be seen through my eyes. And I lived in self-will for all those years, just like all of us have done, right? I lived in self-reliance. So I could only see the world through my eyes. I didn't have a, a relationship with God. I sure as heck didn't have a, a, a proper perspective from people who had been healed. And so why was I miserable? Not because of the food. The food was the symptom, okay? That's what it took me to get here. I don't think if I hadn't been a compulsive eater that I would have ever found God. I don't think I ever would have gotten down to the cause and conditions of my unmanageability was me. I'm looking at the problem. The food was just there to try to give me relief from myself and from my skewed thoughts and, and the, 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 the delusions that I used to think and tell myself about people. You know, it's the same kind of thing. If you walk down the hall and you say hi to a person at work or something and they don't smile at you or they don't answer you back, what do many of us do? We go into our own little story, don't we? Oh my gosh, I can't believe she didn't say hi to me. What a bitch. You know, well, oh, well, or, ah, oh, she doesn't like me. Did she, is she mad at me? What did I do? You know, and then I could spend four hours obsessing about myself going, what did I do wrong? How come she didn't talk to me? You know, or if someone, God forbid, should scowl at me or, or I look at them and they have a frown face. I was so hypervigilant. Everything came from out there. I had no me. I didn't know that, though. I didn't know what I didn't know. So what I learned in this program by starting at step one, which was absolute desperation and awareness, finally, that I'm powerless to change my thoughts about food. I cannot stop thinking about food no matter what I'm eating, no matter what size I am. I'm always thinking about food. Whether I want to be or not, it's happening. The same thing I learned about my thoughts about food, I came to be aware in steps. Well, so step two, I started to become aware, came to believe that I was screwed if I kept living by myself, doing it my way. I had to find this bigger power than me because doing it all by myself all these years just kept me living in my own thoughts, right? And we cannot heal a sick mind 
with our own sick mind. My mind cannot heal me because it doesn't see the truth. It doesn't see where I'm not perceiving things accurately. So then I realized, okay, living in self-will, relying on me doesn't work. I have to get step three. Oh, I'm supposed to get God in this picture, higher power. Yeah, yeah, that's your only hope. Otherwise, you're going to keep going to food. You're going to keep repeating the same stuff. So step three was, and, um, what was step three? I better go look at it before I misquote. Uh, okay, uh, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood God. So what did I do? Making a decision just means... Um, I decided, right? I'm deciding to go back to college and get a degree in law, let's say. If I don't actually go sign up for the class, submit my transcripts, you know, go research what college I want to go, there's work to be done, right? A decision doesn't mean diddly if that's all it is. So I knew life Marla's way sucks and it leads me to eat to cope with the unmanageability and I have to numb out and anesthetize. Can't do that anymore, don't want to. So now I have to make a decision. Oh. Marla, I think Marla must, her, her internet must have gone down. Um, why don't we give her another minute and see if she can come back? Up oh, here she is. just admitted her. Do you see her in, Carla? She's here. I'm asking her to unmute. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. I, I need a new cell phone company. Sorry about that. Okay, I don't know what the heck happened there to my computer. Um, so I will just pick up where I left. Sorry, guys. I just totally went out on you. Um, so step three, the decision, I need a God. My way doesn't work. I'm willing to do it differently. I need to change. Can I change myself? No. I have tried for 40 some years. Couldn't do it. Okay. So what did the book tell us then? Then we go into step four. We have to submit ourselves to a very um, big inventory process, a moral inventory to see what are the causes and conditions of my misery. I'm my problem because it's here, right? What are the causes of my misery? Well, the causes came up only by doing the work of the inventory. I had no clue what the causes was. I thought you were the cause of my misery. So I needed to do it first to figure out what was my piece in this you know what where am i contributing where's where's the ego getting in the way where am i being selfish and self-seeking all those things so when step five then i finally got to share that with another human being and thank god for that because if the only person i talked to was god and me i'm going to be telling myself the same story i've told myself for 49 years 
My husband doesn't take care of me. He doesn't love me enough. How come he doesn't spend more time with me? How come her husband does? My children aren't smart enough. I'm not a good mom. I am up in my head 24 seven. And that's all I got to go on guys. So I needed that second opinion. I needed the outside appraisal of another neutral party to start to show me truth. Doing the process was a start and then watching her, listening to her, help me see truth. And in fact, it wasn't that first sponsor I had that really did that with me. The first sponsor just listened to me and I had written a lot of blah, 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 whiny victim stuff. I still got well. So I'll tell you something, even if you don't get it right the first time, your willingness, my willingness to do it, I still got recovery. Now I've deepened my experience and my program with my big book understanding, and I've done different inventories since then. Okay. So now that brings us to step six in the big book, which is on page 76. Okay. 70, now I've lost track of my time. How much uh, penalty do I lose from hanging up? Where, where am I at with time? And can I get maybe a couple extra? Yeah, absolutely. I did also stop the timer. Oh, I love it. So I don't lose <laughs> my time. All right. So what do I have left? Uh, right now you have uh, five minutes and 20 seconds. Oh, I better talk fast. Okay. So thank you, Evie. Um, so step six in the big book. What does it say to us? So we just finished up sharing our um, our inventory with another human being, right? And it says, now we are going to go home. We're going to hang out with God for a while. We're going to talk to God and see if we've omitted anything. Is my work solid? I'm trying now. I've been working in that fifth step. Step six says this. It says, if we are, it says, if we can answer these questions to our satisfaction, we're looking at step six now. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Okay. And it's going to ask us, are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Okay. It does not say that God removes every bad quality about Marla. It says specifically Am I ready to let God remove the things from me that are objectionable? I had nothing about me that was objectionable until I did this process, okay? I thought you were all wrong. I heard someone say the other day, I loved it. She said, English is not my first language. My first language was victimese, okay? So what I learned from doing my fourth and fifth, that's how I got ready because I became aware of what in me was objectionable. How is it objectionable? Because it was making my life miserable and causing me to eat. The selfishness, the judgmentalness, the superiority, the inferiority, the constant self-obsession and uh, everything's about Marla, fear. I was obsessed with fear. Now there's a normal brain reaction that's called fear, you know, that, that triggers in our brain when there is true danger. But most of the time, my little brainstem was like, just throbbing in reaction to perceived fears, things that weren't even real. You didn't smile at me when I was speaking at a meeting. You didn't nod your head. And that threatened me. See, everything in my world I perceived to be a threat. I did not realize how these things were objectionable before I did the work. So how did I become willing to let God take these things away? I had to see what they were doing to me first. And I could not see that until I did steps four and five. That's how I started to see truth. 
I brought God into it. I asked God to reveal truth to me, God. What needs to be changed in me? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I could not change my character defects any more than I could change my obsession with Baskin Robbins. Okay? I cannot change my selfishness. That is an automatic default place that Marla goes in self-will. Okay? That's the only way I could have my food obsession removed was by taking action. I did not take action that said, don't think about food. Don't think about food. We're not going to look at the food. That was not the action I took. I followed the directions in the book and I did a lot of things I didn't want to do, like getting rid of those foods, getting a food plan, going to meetings, making phone calls, weighing in. my. I didn't want to do any of that, but I did it anyway. And that is what helped me cooperate with God. I had to be willing to cooperate with my higher power by doing certain action steps. What is my cooperation if I want God to remove the defect? See, because on my own, when I'm making my bed upstairs and I see the fluffier pillow and my husband's not in the room, my brain will automatically leap to, hey, that's the better pillow. My husband's not here. I think I'm going to take it right? That's going to happen automatically, just the way a food thought would pop in. I don't control the thoughts of the character defects. I don't control the fears when they come. I don't control the selfishness. I don't control what I perceive to be threatening to me, if it's real or not. The only way out of that for me is the same thing I did with the food. I ask God to remove it. God, please remove this anger right now. I'm feeling angry, like justified anger. God, you need to show me the truth because on my own power, I won't see it. And that's why I today, I don't do big fourth steps all the time, but I keep up with my 10th steps and those kind of inventory process. And if I can then become aware of what the truth is, and know that just because I know it's just like having a seizure. I have my daughter's seizures, you know, she cannot stop a seizure just because she knows she's going to have a seizure. Right. I, I can't stop selfishness. I can't stop arrogance. I can't stop people pleasing, approval seeking, validation outside myself, wanting everyone to care about. Me. I want you all to think I'm a great speaker. You know, now when I came into this meeting, I could uh, Marla original Marla unscathed, untouched by God. If I did this on my own, the whole time I'd be looking at you going, who's looked, are they laughing? Do they like what I'm saying? Without God's help, without that intervention, I had to ask before I came, God, please let this be for you, not for my ego. Because I'm so darn insecure. I need everyone out there to give me my worth. I need my husband to be a certain way to give me my worth. I mean, my children to perform. So everyone else out there had to perform for me so I could be okay. I did not know what I really needed was God all along. And I tried to fill it with you and them and controlling other people and outrageous expectations on others. I don't know where I'm at, Evie. How am I doing? You're about done. Okay, I will wrap it up. All I can say is this goes to show you that Marla's stuff that I wrote, I don't think I looked at my notes once. God helped me. I turned it over to God. I said, let it make sense. I hope it hits someone or more than one. And, you know, I'm going to save these because maybe some other time I'll use them. But I do know that I offered myself to God and I offered myself to be used for God's purposes today. And so even though I didn't say a damn thing on here, uh, just thinking and taking action. 
I am not responsible for the thoughts, but I am responsible for the behaviors. So although I might think I want the better pillow, I'm going to have the better pillow. The only way I take action and I show God I want to be changed and I prepare myself to receive the gift of not being selfish is to do the opposite action from what I want to do. So just because I want the better pillow, I'm going to force myself to give it to my husband. Just because I want someone to look at me or say something, I'm going to force myself to do the opposite. I want to yell. I'm going to shut my mouth as best as I can. That's my fourth step work, except with behavior then, right? That's me taking action. I do the best I can to be the person I think what God wants me to be. I don't lie when I want to. I don't try to be fakey. I try to be authentic. And I screw up just like all of you. But you know what? When I do the actions of the right behaviors, despite what my brain wants to take me to do, God knows I'm trying to cooperate. And those are times now today, sometimes I don't think about taking the best pill. Sometimes I actually think about what does my husband want? It's not just about me anymore. So I have been changed and I have become a better person inside. And God has changed the thoughts. I was willing and I took those actions and I continue to do that. And that is where I will stop. Thank you. Sorry if it ran over. Thank you so, so much. Thank you very much. We will now open the meeting for questions or three-minute shares, as this is a big book study, sharing questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under the reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes to answer. And first up is Meredith. You're up. Hey, everybody. Uh, Meredith B., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I love listening to you share, Marla. It's always, I don't know, just relatable, very relatable for me. Um, and I love, um, yeah, just the way you said everything came from out there. I, I didn't have any orientation toward, um, well, God, who I believe created me and, um, there wasn't even a thought of God or a purpose. My purpose was to find out what you wanted me to be or do or say or look like or whatever so that you would like me or love me or um, not kick me out of the house or whatever. Um, and it, it just struck me. You, you said I needed to learn to do things a different way or well, yeah, to learn think to learn to do things a new way. And I was talking to a fellow just this morning, actually, um, about our journeys and how long it took. And I came in in 2011 and we, I went to a lot of big book meetings, but it just, it's as if I hadn't ever 
it, it just, I wasn't ready. And, um, I really do believe that nothing happens by mistake in, in God's world. And I think that was all just priming me for, for getting ready. And then, um, also I was 40 something. So, um, that's a long time to be like, stay with your wiring and then attempt to have, have all that stuff rewired, um, and learn a new way. So I, I get it more and more why it sometimes takes people a really long time to get recovered. And, and even saying that it still wasn't even anything I did. It was just, God, I just, he just was drawing, kept drawing me and um, wooing me to the rooms. And, um, and then, and even that is, I just think it's a miracle. So anyway, love your share and uh, I'll pass. Thanks, Claudine. Um, uh, thanks, Meredith. Next up is Claudine. Hi, I'm Claudine B. Recovered in Nashville, Tennessee. Marla, that was everything you were saying. I was just like, oh my gosh, I get that. I get that. I get that. Um, I just, that was such a good share. I, I I loved when you said we cannot heal a sick mind with a sick mind. That's so simple, but it never once occurred to me that that's what I was trying to do. I mean, I can't, you know, it's, it's, it's like trying to walk with broken legs. You just cannot do it. And so, um, oh, so sorry. Um, anyway, the other thing that you said was that you were hyper vigilant about what everyone was thinking, saying everything was self-focused. You were thinking about you all the time. And that is exactly what I would do and just live in such a state of paranoia that it was, it felt schizophrenic in a way. Like I was just constantly thinking about what people were saying. And the great thing about our defects and just repeatedly offering them to God and asking and just giving them, giving them, is that it's not necessarily that I don't go there. I do. Sometimes I do go back to that place where I think, oh, they're not reacting the way I want them to react to me. But the thing is, I have a solution now. I know where to go. I know who to talk to. I can go straight to God and say, this is my, this is my attic brain that's doing this. And, and he'll help me. He'll help me. But I didn't, I just didn't know or really believe that I needed help in that area. I just thought I got to work harder to get people to like me. But Another great thing about this program is um, at first I thought, oh my gosh, my character defects aren't gone. They're supposed to be gone. I'm not protected anymore. I'm not safe from the food. I'm not neutral. What is? What am I going to do? But they're not. You're right. He is going to decide what we need to keep or not keep in his timing. And I don't think we'll be rid of them this side of earth. That's my belief. But, you know, I'm better. He's He's changing me. And that that's amazing. So thank you so much for your share. It was beautiful. 
Thank you. Next up is Leslie G. Hi, family. Leslie G. Most grateful by the grace of God to be absent today. Oh my gosh, Marilla, you were wonderful. Um, and unfortunately, not unfortunately, but I'm going to just do though a couple of things. My favorite thing you said was a sick mind can't heal my own. My sick mind can't heal my own sick mind. It was like, um, like duh, but it never even entered my mind. You know, I came into these rooms and, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I was overweight. Um, but I just had this panic of losing control of being able to take to control my food anymore. Um, and so when you started talking about the insecurities and the validations, um, that's where I all related. Um, I love when you said about step four to see where my ego is getting in the way so I can see my part, you know, again, you know, just clearing away more wreckage to, to make myself more available to my higher power. And I love what you said about step six, dear God, please reveal my truths to me. You know, because I get so caught up with, with my brain. It, it drives me crazy at times. You just said so many beautiful things about being hypervigilant, which I have been since I've been a child and the pain the pain of not letting God be the one who's responsible for my value, my worth, my happiness, because people are gonna always disappoint me. And plus I can't read other people's minds and everyone has their own defects of character. And, um, and then the last thing, hon, which I loved is, I'm not responsible for my thoughts or feelings, um, but I am my actions and my behaviors and that's it. Because if we truly want to please God and honor him, we need to do the next right thing and to be a service. Anyway, thank you so much, everyone. And Marley, you were awesome. Thanks, hon. Thank you for sharing. Next up is Leslie Kay. Hi, my name is Leslie, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater and so grateful to be here tonight. I was shoveling the snow off the uh, sidewalk, and I ran in to hear you share Um I, I really uh, love um, the, uh, when I listen to somebody who I relate to on the level that I related to that share, it, it just really makes me feel like I'm not alone. And um, when I recognize a nut and I know I'm the same nut, it's a great feeling. <laughs> And I'm trying to gather up the bolts because I know I'm a nut, but I need more bolts. And you gave me a lot of bolts tonight. Um, one of the things that I uh, I would really love if it weren't so painfully true is my first language is victimese. Mm -hmm. um, it, that is just a painful uh, truth that I didn't get to uncover until... I got to CYOC and got the sponsor that I got and she held me accountable um, to what my part in it was. And I hated her all the way through that process. I, I just couldn't stand her another second and I talked to her constantly, 
And and she'd say, well, what was your part? And I'd say, no, no, just listen. I I can explain. You can you, if you let me. Ex- no, no, I don't want to hear the story. No, but if you let me explain, you'll see why I did what. No, I don't care why you did what you did. What was your part in it? And I was just I was red in the face. And it was the greatest gift anyone has given me in all the years I've been coming to these rooms. So when I heard you sharing tonight, I really resonated with the way that you tackle the big book. And um, that has given me the most uh, uh, succor um, in my recovery, this big book, this silly book, you know, it's just such a gift. So thank you so much, Marla. I really appreciate it. And I ask, uh, I sent you a, a, a direct message, but I, maybe you'll catch it before the end of the meeting. Thank you again. Thank you. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. With the Zoom host, please stop the recording. Thank you. Next up is Janice S.